right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so great to see you guys again. Another Sunday. We're going to go ahead and dive straight into the word. Yes? If you have one, that's fine. Oh, there's one. Okay. All right. This sounds good. Everybody can hear me? Okie dokie, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. As usual, Father, thank you so much for the grace that we have together, together in your name. We thank you for the freedom that we have. It's a privilege that we do not take for granted. We know that there have been generations who struggle together in your name and freedom to worship you with all of their heart, just basking in your love and your grace. We thank you because we have that in our generation. We have that in this society and we definitely do not take advantage of it. We just bow in worship. We join with the holy angels in heaven, declaring our love for you, declaring that you are holy, declaring kadosh, 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 holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb who is worthy, who receives all power, glory, and honor. We come as your own people, as your children, bought with a price, with the precious blood of Christ Jesus. Declaring our love for you, declaring our hearts towards you, declaring that we have gathered together in worship before your throne. Father, give us ears to hear your word. Give us a heart that understands that we may forgive. Father, make me a ready vessel. Make my tongue a ready pen in your own hands, oh God. Teach me, teach those who hear my voice. Teach those who will watch this at a later time. And Lord God, give us a heart that is fervent for you. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. We lift this hour to you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, we're going to do a quick recap. Oh, I didn't bring... Did I bring my Bible? I did. Give me one second. <sighs> I should be more prepared. And I will be. All right, so... Quick recap from last week. Last week we talked about temptation and humility. Overcoming temptation through humility and through decisive action, right? We looked at uh, Jesus' temptation. We walked through how he was tempted, how first it was God who led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It was very strategic so he could overcome the works of the devil. We talked about how the first temptation Satan gave him was, hey, turn this stone into bread. If you are the son of God, it was it was very dependent on the on the on the phrase. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, do this. It was a test of his faith, test of his faith that he understood and he accepted that God was his father. Right. So Satan came and tempted him. If you are the son of God, well, you're hungry. You need to eat. So turn this stone into bread if you are the son of God. So again, Satan was trying to test Jesus in terms of, does he believe that statement, God is his father? And then when Jesus answers with a scripture, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. The next thing the, the tempter does is he takes him over to a high mountain that says, okay, well, since you know scripture, here's another scripture. It says that he will give his angels charge over you. So if you are truly the son of God, throw yourself down and his angels will catch you, right? Again, it's all predicaments on the test. It's, it's all per, uh, predicated on the test of if you are the son of God. And then finally, 
he goes on to say, well, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down and worship me, right? And we, and that's where Jesus says to him the final, get behind me, Satan, uh, for you are not to worship anybody but the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve, right? And we also looked at Jesus talking about the fact, you know, we looked at, after we looked at Jesus' temptation, we looked at how Jesus says, when his disciples ask him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he brings a little child and he says, you know, except you humble yourself as this little child, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. So we look at humility. When Jesus brings himself, even in his temptation, he brings himself down to a humble state, right? He could have bragged that I own all the armies of heaven. So why are you, you know, trying to tempt me with the kingdoms of the world? But instead he says, he repeats the gospel and says, repeats the Bible and says, you know, you shall worship nobody else but the Lord your God. And Jesus also gives an, an analogy of where two people are praying. A Pharisee is praying, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this or that this guy, this tax collector. But the tax collector just humbles himself and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a humble sinner. Right? And God, and Jesus says that that person is more justified in going home. So humility is how you overcome. That's what we talked about. And then we also looked at how Jesus says, as for you, his disciples, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it is better for you to enter into life maimed than for you to enter into eternal fire with your entire body intact. Right? So two things that he's given us as a reference. One, be humble. Only with humility can you can you overcome. Next thing is decisiveness, precise action. Deal with sin by cutting it off, right? Today we are going to look at overcoming uh, temptation and sin by knowing to whom you belong to. And we, we've kind of tied to this confidence and faith, having confidence and faith. Our main scripture is going to come from Isaiah chapter 1, um, from verse 3. Who is going to help me this Time. Miracle, do you want to help me? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3. Let me know if you close it on. Can you turn the music down a little bit? Like a lot. Uh-huh. Thank you. So it says the ox knows its owner, right? And then the donkey knows its master's crib. But Israel, my people, they don't actually know. They don't have an understanding, right? He's talking about Israel here. This is the days when Israel was always going, you know, wandering away with their uh, idol worship and forsaking the Lord and seeking after the foreign gods, the gods that were for the people who were amongst them or seeking the things that were the ways of the world. It's, it's not any different from today's society, to be honest. If you look at our society today, a lot of us call ourselves Christians, but the truth is 
We lost after the things that are in the world. We lost after the fancy cars, the Gucci handbags, the designer stuff. So we're not particularly any different from them today, right? But he's saying, my people don't understand. If the ox knows his master and the donkey knows his master's crib, why is it that my people don't understand to whom they belong? Right? So we are going to look at the idea of overcoming by knowing to whom you belong. Right? First, you have to have a clear understanding of that. Knowing whom you belong to. Now, we'll read uh, Matthew 18 again. Last week, we read Matthew 18 uh, when Jesus talks about, you know, like, who is the greatest in the kingdom. Um We'll read that chapter. We'll read that chapter again, but we'll extend it this time all, all the way through to uh, verse fourteen. So I'm going to take this one, um, Matthew, Matthew eighteen, from verse one uh, through fourteen. Okay. Uh, last week we stopped at verse ten, but I'm going to extend it all the way through to uh, verse fourteen. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of temptation, for temptation must come. But woe to that man, to that man by whom the temptation comes if your hand or your foot causes you to sin cut it off and cast it from you it is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire and if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out and cast it from you it is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Right? So first he goes by giving an analogy that unless you get converted and be like the little child, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who humbles himself like the little child is the one that will go into heaven. First he says that. And then he says, woe unto this world because it is necessary that temptation comes. It is needed. It is necessary. I mean that it's unavoidable. 
It is needed for the creation of this world, right? It is necessary that temptation comes into the world. But woe unto the men through whom it comes. And then it's and then he goes on to continue saying in reference to the to the little child that woe to the man who causes one of this little child to fall. Be careful that you do not despise anyone that is humble like a little child, right? Because their angels always stand before my father, right? And then he also says, anyone who receives this little child in my name is receiving me. He's continuously referencing the one who is like the little child, the one who is like the little child. And then he says, I have come to save those who are lost, which means that those of us who are saved by grace, when you receive him, you are converted as a little child and you should continue in that humility, right? Because that is how he sees us and that is how he expects us to continuously be, right? Humble as little children. And then he says, it is not the father's will that any of these little ones be lost. His desire is that none of these little ones are lost. He will go out of his way to find you. Right? So when that temptation comes, you have to know that it is not only you that is fighting. Right? God is also fighting with you because he has no plans of losing you. Having that understanding that you fighting temptation, is you're not fighting that temptation alone. He is there with you because he has no intentions of losing you. There's another verse where Jesus says, my father is greater than I. No one can pluck them out of my father's hand because my father is greater than all, right? He says, no one can pluck them out of my hands. My sheep that my father has given me, no one can pluck them out of my hands. But it then also says that no one can pluck them out of my, fa- my father's hand, my father who gave them to me because my father is above all, right? And now we've actually referenced this in the past when we talked about, about that no one, no one can take you out of his hands. And that is the understanding you should come into when you're facing any kind of temptation. Let's go to John chapter 10, um, 14 through 16. John 10, 14 through 16. Michaela, are you able to read for me? Good morning. Yeah, John 10, 14 through 16. But it shall be more tolerable than I am, Sidon. Are you sure? Oh, Let's see. Luke. John 10. <laughs> so that we also read in Luke. <laughs> yeah. John 10, 14 through 16. Yes. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Thank you. So. He's talking to his disciples who are present there with him, right? And these are all Jews at that time, right? In that generation, they're all Jews gathered together. And he's talking to them and he's saying that 
My sheep, they know my voice. They are mine. I lay down my life for them, right? He is calling his disciples, his sheep, that they belong to him. But then he continues on and says, Other sheep I have also, which are not of this fold, right? I will call them, and there shall be one fold. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. Who's the other fold that he's talking to? It's me and you. Those of us who have been called afterwards, right? We're going for this event in September. Uh, me and Pastor and his wife, and, and it's called Gather the Nations, right? Gather the Nations, Gather America. It's literally Jews and Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. That's the whole theme of the conference, right? And the fulfillment of both sheep, sheep of the Jewish fold and the sheep of the nations gathering together on the one shepherd, which is Christ Jesus. So understanding that you belong to him, that he knows you and you know him. This is the next step to, on the, to overcoming any kind of temptation, right? Um, there's, a, there's a passage that we're going to read soon, which uh, Paul, when Paul is in, in the storm, that he says, he talks to them about, you know, the God that I belong to uh, appeared to me. So we'll go into the book of Acts and read that as well. Um, Acts chapter 27 from 21 to 25. You can see Paul demonstrating his own knowledge of the fact that I know whom I belong to. Do you know who you belong to? Right? We call ourselves his sheep. But he says, I give, I lay down my life for my sheep because I'm the good shepherd. Have you ever seen a shepherd that lays down, that dies for his animal? It's the animal that usually dies to serve the, the shepherd, right? But this one is a different kind of shepherd. So Acts chapter 27. Verses 21 to 25. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed for praise, and to gain, to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the sheep. For, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whom whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be given as it was told me. You see the boldness that he's speaking with, the confidence that he has, right? Like Paul is, before they actually set sail, he tells them not to set sail. They don't believe him. So they sail into the storm. You know, they're facing a lot of loss. There's no more food. No one is eating anymore. And then finally, he stands up with boldness again and tells them that, don't worry, everything is going to be okay because the God whom I belong to has assured me that this is going to happen, right? 
his confidence and his boldness because he knows what God he belongs to. You know, when I was in Morocco, when they were asking me the question, uh, are you a Muslim like us? And we were having the argument of, you know, God does not have sons, neither does he be dead. And at one point, I was almost like wondering, like, that is, you know, the, 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 the understanding of I'm a servant of God, it's kind of humble to a certain point, to a certain degree. And then all of a sudden, my mind snapped me out. Are you kidding yourself? Who are you kidding? Are you believing that? Believing that? Don't you know who you are? Aren't you a son? Why are you trying to depose yourself to the state of a servant? You know, it's easy if you don't know who you are or to whom you belong. Somebody else can come and tell you a sweet nothing. I told you one of my friends was actually converted from Catholicism to Islam because they feel like Islam is the way, right? But if you don't know to whom you belong, it's easy for you to be swayed into something else, right? When Satan came to Jesus and says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, right? If you will bow down and worship me. Did Jesus say, away from me, Satan, because he knew who Satan was? Or because he, he knew who he was? We could say, well, he knows both because obviously he was there from the creation of the world from the beginning of time. So he knows who Satan is. But a lot of the time for us, as disciples, as children, right? We don't know who Satan is. Neither do we know. Because Satan is never going to come to you and tell you, hey, I'm Satan, and I'm here to deceive you. He will disguise as an angel of light, right? So nine out of ten times, we don't know who he is. But Jesus says, my sheep, they know my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not listen to. If anything, they will run away from the voice of the stranger. So for us, the thing that we will know is the voice of our shepherd. That is the one thing that we'll know. There's a, there's a friend of mine. Well, she stopped, you know, having me as her friend. She decided that I, uh, we shouldn't be friends anymore because I kept correcting her theology. She's always so fascinated. She's, she wants to know what the devil is doing. I said, have you known what God is doing before you're trying to know what the devil is doing? She's always so convinced that there is a demonic uh, undertone to certain things. There is, that the devil is working through this. That you know that even the, the fallen angels that married women in those days that they're still around today. They're still marrying women. And I tried to tell her that that's none of your business. What you should be aware of and what you should know. Yeah, is it? Okay. What you should be aware of, what you should be paying attention to is what God is doing right now. It's what your shepherd is doing right now. Because the truth is, the devil will convince you that somebody else is something. So you will go in and How did Hitler sway people before he committed what he did? He convinced them that the Jews were evil. He told them that Jews were evil, that they were the scum of the earth, they were rodents, and I think that's why he had so much backing behind him. Because he did, as one man, he didn't go from house to house trying to kill people. They were obedient to his voice because he convinced them that somebody else was the enemy. How do you know to follow Hitler? He had a huge army. How did they know to follow him? Because he accused somebody else and made somebody else appear to be the evil one. Why was there so much uh, slavery? 
when I went to Portugal on this trip, I actually spent the weekend in Portugal, and I was arguing with this guy. He he was our tour guide. He was Portuguese. No, he was half Portuguese, half African. I think Algerian or something like that. I can't remember. But his father moved to Portugal as a slave, and we were arguing that how slave trade in America wouldn't have reached the extent it was if Portugal had never been in the picture. Portugal ruled the seas at that point, and they made the transatlantic slave trade get to the highest point that it could ever get to in the history of humanity. But why did people see the need to buy slaves or own black people as slaves? Because somebody had convinced them and given them the impression that a black man was not necessarily your equal. Hitler didn't only kill Jews; he also killed blacks, and that's one thing people don't actually know from the from the onset. The devil isn't going to come to you and say, "Hey, I'm the devil." No, he will also go an extra step and try to convince you that somebody else is the devil. So the one thing that we have to know is know who our God is. When Jesus faced his temptation in the desert, he knew who the devil was and he knew who he was. But for us, it's not going to be the same way. The only thing we're going to know is who our shepherd is. So knowing to whom you belong is critical to overcoming. Right? All right. We'll read the next uh, scripture, which is. Ephesians 1:18. This is Paul admonishing the church. Ephesians 1:18 to 21. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us all who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and mind and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Amen. So he's saying, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. I pray that your eyes be opened, that you know the hope to which you have been called, right? We, there was one, uh, one of our sessions that we had and we talked about how uh, knowing what you've been called into, right? As disciples, knowing what you've been called into, we said you've been called into a fellowship of sonship, right? That's what we said. We said you've been called into a relationship of sonship. The, what you've been called into is being sons with God. And what does that mean? Paul is explaining it to you that I pray that your eyes of understanding be enlightened to know what you've been called into, that you are seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers with his son, Christ Jesus, who has been exalted. What you've been called into in his death and his resurrection. Right? 
Revelation says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, right? You can't testify what you don't know, right? What you know is what you will testify of. I was asking, I was, someone was asking me, um, you know, it, it, multiple people have asked, even Jameson in this church asked one time that, are you saying that those who were born, you know, in Arab countries and grew up as Muslims, are you saying that they're all going to perish? I think I can only testify to what I know, right? And my testimony is the fact that I know that Christ is the Son of God. I don't just know it because I read it. I've experienced it in my life. And then, they, you know, they try to extend the argument and start talking about, well, those people have also seen things. Well, those people, they have seen things, but there's also some of them who have actually come to faith. We have Muslims coming to faith. We have underground churches in Iran. We have underground churches sprouting up in multiple places, North Korea. So, yeah, you have that testimony, but I also have a different testimony. The people who are beginning to see Jesus in visions and turning to him in faith. So there is that also, there's also that testimony, right? So we started late, so I'm gonna keep this short. Do we have any questions? Does he come home? Like knowing whom you belong to is how you also overcome. Having confidence, faith. The time that I'm tested in my heart and you know, I'm wondering that, am I gonna make it through this? And I think, you know what, whether I make it through or not, the truth is I have fought my fate to the last extent. Paul says, you know, you have not wrestled with sin to the place of blood. None of us have had the opportunity to wrestle with sin to the place of blood where you're in prison for your faith. You're being threatened that you're going to be beheaded if you don't denounce your faith. None of us have faced that. The little things that we have to face are the little temptations that Satan throws our way by taking the comfort zone that we have. But this is the faith that we hold onto, right? And understanding that whether he comes through, whether he does not come through, whether you live, whether you die, you know whom you belong to and you're returning to whom you belong to. All right? Any questions? All right, Lord, thank you so much for the grace to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that the words that we have heard today will be expatiated in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Um, these are just seeds, seeds that are sown for our hearts, oh God. We prepare them as fertile soils before you. We ask, oh God, that you will cause the rain to fall, you will cause the sun to shine, and you will cause the sprout and increase that can only be guaranteed by your own Holy Spirit. We ask, Abba Father, that everyone who has heard a word today, everyone who has been given a seed today, that that seed will bear much fruit in their lives. I pray that as many that will hear this message at another time, that you will cause uh, fruitfulness in their lives. The fruitfulness of knowing you, the fruitfulness of understanding uh, our place with you, to understand that you have paid the very valuable price, which is the blood of Jesus on that cross. There is nothing that can, can, can replace that price. And we just surrender ourselves, oh God, receiving all that you have for us and blessing your glorious name. Be with us for the rest of today and glorify your name in our best and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.